Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Necessary Roughness on the Bite Size Sports Network. I'm your host, John Boyd. We've got Nick Winograd joining me tonight. Nick, how you doing? What's up? What's up? Ready, uh, ready to talk, talk some draft. What a fun, fun couple of days it was. Yeah, man. It was uh, it was nice to get it out of the way because now mm-hmm. we're done prognosticating about who goes where. We can kind of start to review some of these uh, fits and stuff that we talked about for months leading up to it. Um, and I personally have had a, a chance to uh, to talk my myself off the ledge over the last few days. Uh, I'm kind of coming around on the Vikes draft. We'll, we'll talk about it a little later. But uh, something I wanted to start with was uh, just the quarterbacks. Um, because, I mean, we saw a ton of a ton of mocks and a ton of different iterations of, of mock drafts leading up uh, to the draft itself with, with these quarterbacks going all over the place um, to, to different teams. The, the odds started to shift up and down towards the end there. We had Levis with some, you know, late, late cycle uh, number one, number two buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up falling all the way out of the first to our good buddy, James and the Titans. Um, so we'll actually have him on to talk uh, talk about that situation and the rest of the Titans draft, uh, probably about 10, 15 minutes here. Um, but let's start right at the top. It was always Bryce. You know, there was there was all kinds of smoke from um, from Stroud to Levis to Richardson at one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, for the. Obviously, right away after uh, the season comes away with the Heisman, we've got, you know, all the size concerns um, and everything that, that kind of comes with that. There was a lot of buzz for Stroud late in the process. Um, Frank Reich tends to like those bigger body quarterbacks, but granted, that's just kind of what he's had at his disposal. Um, so the, the, uh, the extent to which he had a hand in acquiring those guys, we don't necessarily know. Um, but he's got the new job in Carolina, plants his flag with Bryce Young. Um, and I think he I think he made the right pick. I would have said the same thing if he picked C.J. Stroud. Um, but I think just the dynamism that, that Bryce brings to that team, his maneuverability in the pocket um, – I like to pick. I, I think those guys were both can't miss. Um, but especially in today's NFL, a guy like Bryce with his tools, you know, size aside, might have the highest ceiling. How do you feel about the the Bryce Young pick at one to Carolina? Yeah, I mean, it was the right pick, right? Because if he's going to be, you know, everybody's number one, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce played at Alabama in a moment in a time where Alabama was not stacked. You know, usually they're stacked, and it's like Mac Jones. Of course, you can find guys over the middle. It's Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Like, wow, incredible. But right. um, but Bryce Young was finding guys that were not you know at those at that level uh, at, at the wide receiver position. So mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously the size and issue. Obviously, he was. I mean, I saw that he was interviewed couple days before or day before and he said listen i can't grow anymore like it's not my fault that i'm at this size i'm amazing <laughs> i'm like you know like i don't know what to do I, I i did all i could at alabama um i won the heisman you draft me number one overall i can't be six five sorry you know i 
you don't always have to be like a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert at these like crazy height heights, you know. Um, yeah. There are also normal people out there that are five eleven. So mm-hmm. Bryce Young, um, he's just an incredible. He's just he's an eradicator. He's an incredible player when he's on when he's when he's out there and he makes plays. He doesn't give up on plays. He's able to find guys and really, um, you know, he throws guys open. You know, they're, they're, you always got that um, that terminology in football of. You know, can you be a guy that can find people open? Sure. But can you got be somebody who you can throw guys open? Meaning, you know, he's open because you threw it in the exact same uh, – in the right in the right spot. So, Bryce has that ability. Um, I see a little Drew Brees in them for sure with a little bit more of a running ability. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how he turns out in Carolina. They've been waiting for a quarterback for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I like Bryce. I mean, cerebral player. Oh, my screen froze, huh? Cerebral player, um, but, you know, just his improvisational ability is, I, I think, the big draw to him. Um, see if this works for me. Oh, the screen's blocked now. <laughs> All right. Well, here, let's uh, let's have you just talk real quick about Stroud to the Texans. You can get us started off with that conversation. I'm going to jump out and jump back in and see if this resets. Yeah, so basically, yes, Stroud going number two. There's a lot of people that said, um, you know, potentially he would go and drop to like eight or nine. And I, as I said, like on the draft, you know, preview, I said, I don't think so because there's so many times that this thing thing happens. We saw with Golf and Wentz. We saw with so many other guys where it goes one, two. Which one is it? And I just had a feeling that it was going to be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, um, a lot of people like Anthony Richardson, who I love, he's going to be really good for uh, Indy. Um, but CJ, he's just such a good player. I think that in my mock draft when we did it, I did want CJ as the number one pick. It was a couple weeks back. Just looking at his film, I think Houston gets a really, really good quarterback and a really good player. He's a good kid overall, you know, coming from OSU. Um, uh, and now with the, the first time head coach. Coming from San Fran, more of a defensive guy. I think you need to get a quarterback that can, um, you know, that can really help. Um, that defensive type of coach. It, it, it reminds me of – I'm a Bills fan, so it reminds me of when Sean McDermott was first brought in. You know, obviously we didn't have Josh until the next year, but getting a guy like that can really help, um, you know, the defensive head coach um, work on his defense and work on what he's, you know, elite at. And then you got a, and then you got a you know, really high draft pick quarterback in the draft. Um, so C.J. Stroud, I really like the pick overall. Um, he, he was, he was mocked to, to Houston all along. So, um, yeah, I was, I was excited to see that CJ was drafted number two, especially cause I was able to guess that correctly. Um, so yeah. And then of course we had Houston trading up to, to get, to get Will Anderson, which was incredible. I, I really thought that Arizona was going to keep that pick because Arizona's just a team that needs somebody, you know, they need somebody that can, you know, fill that gap and, you know, getting Will Anderson was really, really important for them as well. Sorry, John, I was rambling. Oh, you're good. Forgive me for the, the technical difficulties there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm sure you covered a lot of the, the points on Houston, but that trade-up, um, yeah. that was like, we said it on the stream, that was like a, something out of Madden, you know? Yeah, but I was I was just talking about like how it's so important. I was talking about how it's so important for like a, a defensive head coach to come in and get a franchise quarterback potentially. Um, and I said it was like Josh mm-hmm. Allen and Sean McDermott because McDermott's a defensive guy. It's so nice to have somebody like that so you can work on your craft and what you have going on on the defensive side while this guy is 
you know, doing his thing and you don't really have to worry about the offense too much. So I think it was a really good oh, yeah. uh, and important thing that they went with CJ. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of smoke about them just taking Will Anderson at two yeah. and it wasn't that far off. Cause they, they weren't going to let him go any further. Uh, they weren't going to let him go anywhere else. They used that pick at 12 Arizona got a haul. Um, so, you know, a good move by them, but yeah, on top of getting your franchise quarterback, you get a potential franchise changing edge rusher in Will Anderson, who I think D'Amico is going to have a field day with mm. uh, moving him around. I'm really excited to see, excuse me, how that fit plays out. Um, and, and that one was sort of written. And then this is another one that, this is where the debate all offseason was Levis or Richardson. That's what felt like the most tangible set of possibilities. Um, and they go with Anthony Richardson. I think that's the right decision. I think that's the better prospect. Um, but there's there's something to be said about his uh, l- low level of experience uh, to this point. Only started 13 games. They were SEC ball games. Um, but you know, you, you see all the tools on display and I think what really kind of separated him during the draft process process, uh, were his interviews with teams. I, I think, I think teams and front offices really liked just talking to Anthony Richardson, uh, from what I've gathered, I, I, I've seen, um, a couple clips of interviews. I saw the, uh, uh, what the hell is that guy's name? Um, the segment on ESPN, Draw My Play with. Uh... I think I know what you're talking about, but I also Yeah, know yeah, yeah. Oh, I, guy's name's on the tip of my tongue. Older guy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Martz? Not Mike Martz. <laughs> anyway, um, but I mean, he was, he, he basically saw it on the whiteboard one time memorized it, drew it, you know, erased it, and then he redrew it, kind of explained all the keys on it and uh, yeah. and, the, and the reads. And it was just a very, very, you know, because there's so many things the teams see that we don't, uh, that you can't see on film, that you can't see from a RAS score, um, that I, I think really started to separate him. And, and that's another case where you see – uh, a brand new offensive coordinator coming over, uh, uh, offensive minded guy coming over uh, to take the reins and he gets his franchise quarterback to kind of s- start this rebuild with. And I say mm-hmm. rebuild because they're picking at four, but in all reality, this is a team that a lot of people picked to win the division last year uh, that, that missed the playoffs by a, a week 18 game the year prior. Um and, and, and the bones of this roster are still pretty good. So this might be the best situation for any of these rookie quarterbacks to be drafted into, um, at least the ones who have some expectation to start year one or early anyway. I know Minshew's, Minshew's there in Indi- Indianapolis, but you know if, if there's any inkling of AR-15 – being ready to rock and roll, um, I, I think uh, Gardner takes a backseat pretty quick. So I, I really like the 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 situation for him. 
frankly, especially compared to the other guys. I think he can learn a lot from Gardner. Gardner's not, you know, a star, but he's definitely a winner. You know, he's he's won yeah. at, at every every level that he's been at. So sure he's mm-hmm. not he's sure he's not a superstar type quarterback and he never will be, but you know, there's it's something to be said for guys that can um that can teach rookies, you know, a little bit something about what they've been able to do. Um mm-hmm. and while Anthony Richardson is a lot different of a style of a quarterback than Gardner. That doesn't mean that he can't learn a little bit from Gardner and, you know, that veteran presence. Gardner Minshew, I don't think anybody would have thought that he would have been such an important person, an important teammate at, you know, at the start of his career. I think people were kind of clowning him for being, you know, with the mustache or whatever, you know. I think that at the end of his career, he's going to be looked at a little bit like Ryan Fitzpatrick where in the, in the aspect of he really helped a lot of quarterbacks grow. And if Anthony Richardson becomes a star, I think a lot of people are going to uh, credit uh, Gardner with that. So, I mean, not all of it, but a little bit, you know, just, you know, getting the ins and outs of the Indianapolis, you know, um, culture and stuff like that, you know, breeding him a little bit, making sure, um, you know, he's, he feels at home. He feels safe that he's you know going to be the starter or whatever. Gardner doesn't care mm-hmm. about that. He knows that they're drafting him for a reason. Um, and Gardner Minshew is really, he's going to be a good teammate for Anthony Richardson. I'm really excited to see him play. Yeah, I agree. He's learned several NFL offenses already to this point, so he can kind of guide him in that process. I think it will be a great clipboard guy uh, once once Richardson gets on the field. Um, everybody who speaks about him loves him as a teammate. Um, so, yeah, I, and yeah, including the backup quarterback, I think it's a, a really, really good situation for such a young guy uh, with such a high ceiling to to come into. So, Levis, mm-hmm. we've got James waiting in here. I'll pop him in. <laughs> James, man, I know you were just itching to wax poetic about oh, your boys. Team. Oh, fellas, <laughs> how, how are we doing tonight, guys? Let's let's get that out. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good, man. We're hanging in there. Oh, boys, I uh, <laughs> want me to talk to Levis, huh? God. Yeah, we're we'll here. We all, you guys, got to see my reaction live when they didn't take him. Yeah, you didn't get to see the reaction live when they did take him. When I was driving to St. Louis, and my phone blew up, and I was like, maybe I should just drive off the road. Here. <laughs> um, man, it's it's tough. It's so tough for me to, to judge this Tennessee in a vacuum. I don't hate it. Like in a vacuum, I don't hate the Titans taking Levis in the second round. I hate that they traded up and had to give around a third round or give up a third round pick next year. They don't have many picks next year and they lost another one on a team that's got holes. I don't know what Tennessee's trying to do. I think that's my biggest question mark right now. They take mm-hmm. Wevelis or Wevelis, that's about right. Take Will Levis <laughs> in the second round. They don't have the 50 year option on them, so we've only got a four year contract. They take Tajay Spears the next round. So you've taken the replacements for Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, which mm-hmm. I, I actually, you know, they're not going to be able to play forever. The problem being is, are you planning on playing them this year? Because yeah. Tannehill yeah. And, and Henry are still on contract and are the presumed starters, which is where this gets all kinds of messed up. It doesn't make any sense to me because – Going into the offseason, Tennessee's biggest needs were on the offensive line and receiver. They addressed 
offensive line. They signed a couple guys and they drafted Skaronsky. I love the pick. I think it's the best pick they made in the draft by far. They didn't take a receiver until the seventh round. And I don't – correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think Tennessee has the worst receiving room in the NFL. It's it's down there. It's bad. I don't, it's bad. Certainly down there, yeah. I mean, you might have it a couple – it, it was real good until last year, last draft. And <laughs> since then, Tennessee's acted like, like it doesn't matter. Like receiver doesn't matter in a pass-happy league. Tennessee's going the complete opposite way. I don't – I just – I don't understand it. I don't – if you're going to go full tank mode, great. But you got to do something with Tannehill and Henry. Mm-hmm. And right now they're on the roster and nobody's going to trade for Henry. You can cut Tannehill and save money, but it's a post June first, so it doesn't matter. Like you can't use that money to get anybody now. So, to me, it's it's more confusing than anything because the setup for this team, even if Levis starts, the setup for this team isn't. They're not going to tank out. They're going to be six and ten, seven and eleven. The defense is too good. They got mm-hmm. a lot of money spent on the defense. So then you're you're not in the top five. You're not one of the top picks next year. You've taken a quarterback in back-to-back drafts. I just the whole thing's confusing to me. I, I don't understand what they're doing, where they're at. I have no. I just it's all. I, I'm completely befuddled by what they're doing right now. Yeah, might be uh might be a purgatory year. That's what I, I, I. That's what my biggest worry is: is being like Kev's Pacers and just being in purgatory. There's there's nothing worse than being six and ten, seven and eleven. There's nothing mm-hmm. worse than that. No, you yeah. can't, you so can't get a top pick. You can't get. You get like once you get into that, you know, ten to fifteen, like eleven to fifteen range. There's no guarantees. Usually at the top, you there's pretty, pretty spot on guys. After that, and you can't get the team better, and then all of a sudden you're stuck in purgatory forever. And I, I don't know what they're doing. I'm confused, guys. I'm just I'm really confused. Like I've I've somewhat talked myself into Levis. Like I, I. after talking to you about it, John, I've taken it to heart. I'm like, I'm not going to just go into like, I, I got to try to figure it out. Yeah. But even still like, okay, so say they sit Levis, say he sits for a year, which isn't an awful idea for him. They're going to get, they're going to, again, they're going to be six and 10, seven, 11, maybe with Tannehill and Henry back there, maybe they're 500. It's not good enough to do Like it's not bad enough to do anything. And then the problem with getting him in the second round is you don't get that fifth year option. So are you going to sit him for 25% of his contract behind Tannehill? Are you going to sit him for one of the four years? I, I don't, it's, it's mind blowing to me there. Tennessee's real just insistence that receivers don't exist, that you don't need them. is just baffling to me. And I, <laughs> I don't get it. It makes no sense. And then my, my other, my, my biggest problem with Levis is I think, and maybe you guys will disagree. I think the two hardest things for quarterbacks to change when they get to the NFL to, to learn is decision-making and, and accuracy. I think that's the two hardest things to improve, especially accuracy. Yeah. And that's where Will Levis struggles the most is both of those. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, man, I'm confused. I'm, I'm, I'm disgruntled. I'm, I don't know what to think. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I and it's a difficult. It's a difficult spot too when, when you've got Malik Willis on the roster. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's an interesting dynamic in that just in that quarterback room, um, let alone for the front office to kind of navigate. Um, but then you've also got 
So, I mean, this is the last year of Tannehill's deal. Mm-hmm. Unless this is a, a great bounce back year for Tennessee. You know, if if the defense is all the way healthy, it, it could be. I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I'd say a dangerous team, but they could, they could uh, ruin some Sundays for yeah, some pretty good FCs. Gonna be, not going to be able to write them off if they're healthy. Like you're going to have right. to play. You're not just going to walk over them. And I think that John is the biggest problem. Right. That right there is they're going to accidentally win games. They're not supposed to. And all of a sudden you're outside the top 10 looking in. I think yep. with a healthy Tannehill, healthy Henry, you get Harold Landry back from his ACL tear on defense. The team's probably better than they were this year and they had the 11th pick this year. And that's not good enough, especially if Levis ain't in. I think one of the the underlying things here is Vrabel has now attached himself to Levis, for better or worse. Like Tannehill is the guy they traded for. 33 overall. I mean, it's not a first-round pick, but that's a Mm -hmm. a high investment. It's a high investment in a quarterback, and I think he's now tied to him and his insistence not to draft receivers. I I think suddenly – and I love Mike Vrabel, but I think he's suddenly on the clock. Like, all right, like this is who you wanted. This is it. Like, here we go. If this doesn't yeah. work out, Tennessee lives in purgatory here. It's yeah. going to be – I think it's bad news for him. Everything before this was John Robinson's fault. Yes. Yep. I will so, everything so before now that, yes. Clock, right? Correct. Yeah, like John Robinson's long gone. He's the one that traded AJ, like the Malik Willis, whatever. It's all him. He gets it all. But now, Carthon ain't. Carthon's got a say in, like, probably the final say in this pick, but Mike Vrabel's making these picks right now. Mm-hmm. And that's fine if you wanted Levis. Like, the rumors were they were going to take him at 11, and that Skaronsky, just Skaronsky was their highest rated offensive line, lineman. They didn't expect him to be there. So, my freak out at 11 about them taking him was a real thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I'm, conf- I, I'm just confused, guys. I don't have an answer to it, I don't know what to say. Tennessee, I expect Tennessee to be in purgatory this year. I, if I'm being honest, and I hate, like, you guys have heard me talk about this. I think Ryan Tannehill gets a lot of crap, like, too much. He's been the quarterback for Tennessee's best years since the Super Bowl. Like, I'm going to give him this credit where he credits. He's not perfect, but Tennessee pre Ryan Tannehill was awful. Wouldn't yeah. make him play. Yeah. They're blowing draft picks, bad coaches. He took them, he took them to an AFC championship game, him and Derrick Henry. And, you know, one number 11 who's now in green right now. But like, I think they should – if you're going to do this, go all in on the rebuild. Get Like, I hate it. Like, I love Tannehill, but cut him, trade him, whatever you got to do. Start Levis. I don't think you can do anything with Henry because I think the city of Nashville revolt if Henry's not on that team next year. If you would cut him or trade him, like, I, I don't think you can do it. But mm. it's just the whole thing's eye-opening for, and moving on from John Robinson because you want better, like you expect more, and then to do that. Like I understand planning for the future, but it almost looks like me they're just planning for purgatory again. Yeah. And I could see, I mean, I could see moving on from Tannehill. Um, you know, we might, we might see closer to camp uh, some QB uh-huh. needy teams um, that, that feel like that, you know, he could maybe elevate them just enough. Uh-huh. Last year, his deal, he does have some dead money attached to him. I want to say like 10 mil. He's got an, he's got a year dead. It, it's something, it's not great. He's got a nasty contract because when they traded for Julio Jones, they restructured and it got backloaded. So Tannehill gets a lot of crap. He's got the highest cap hit of, I, mean, he, 
I don't know if he's the highest cap cap hit of quarterbacks this year, but he's in the top like three. Yeah, and, and he gets a lot of flack for that, but that's actually John Robinson's fault because when they traded for Julio, they had to restructure his contract and it got backloaded. And it is what he's got like a twenty eight million dollar hit this year. It's it's astronomical. So Tennessee right. can cut him post one and get half of it, like sixteen mil back, but it doesn't do him any good. They aren't you know mm-hmm. they're not getting anybody. They no, there's going to be no magical receiver on the the market. The, the press conference Saturday night, or was it no, Friday night after they took Levis, was pretty heated at uh, their complex in Tennessee. They were just straight up asked them like they're, why they're insistent on not drafting receivers. Carthon said, and I quote, it was like, you roll the dice, play the board. I'm like, oof, ooh, that's a bad quote. Like That's really bad. Said, and there were, there were receivers there. Yes. At um they would have been there. And then some guys really fell. I mean, you can get mm-hmm. maybe they're in love with Ty J Spears, but the Vikings took Dwayne McBride in the seventh round. Yeah. And, Tennessee just and he was one of the most one of the most productive backs in football at UAB over the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um and there there were good fallers at running back. And you look at all the third round receivers mm-hmm. that went off the board, Josh Downs. Yeah. Uh, Mingo, AT. I, I think I texted you at one point. AT Perry's still. Yeah. On the don't don't worry, James. AT mm-hmm. Perry's. Fault. And they just when they took Tajay Spears, I think every Titans was just collective, just jaw hit the floor. It's listen, wild, I yeah. I like the Tajay. I like listen in a, again in a vacuum. I like Tajay Spears. I really Good do in a vacuum. Yep. Titans need a third down back. Derrick Henry's getting older. I like it. However, when they still hadn't taken a receiver. Tajay Spears to me seemed like a luxury pick. He also, do you see his medical concerns? Have you seen what's going on? No, no stuff ACL. On his no ACL. <laughs> As somebody that is nine months post ACL surgery, I don't know how that's possible. But they were talking about no ACL and like arthritis developing in it already. And I'm just like, that's wild to spend a top 100 pick on. I mean, I'm just again all those there's all that, that runner receivers when it was Jonathan Mingo it was Downs it was all those guys were floating around there and yeah. Tennessee didn't said they didn't want any of them I guess so biggest winner of the weekend was Nick Westbrook Akina because now we have to throw to him again and I'm just yeah. like Tennessee stock up for Nick Westbrook Akina yeah they must Tennessee must really believe Traylon Burks is going to make a mega jump this year and Chig's going to make a mega jump and Kyle Phillips isn't going to be hurt all year and I just none of it makes like it I think they're going to hand the ball 200 times again to Henry this year and just end his career yeah and I mean you you might want to get Levis into the mix with the security blanket like Henry to hand off yeah I kind of ease I, his I agree with that let him run the growth. do the play action stuff you know right I mean that's what and I hate it for Henry because I hate just wasting his final years. You know, he's he's not as good as he was two years ago. He's lost at high end speed. However, he still had 1,500 yards rushing behind a trash offensive line last year. He is who he is. Like, I just hate wasting his last year, but that's all Tennessee's done here. And it started when they traded A.J. Brown, and it's just spiraled since then. Yep. Yep. So we, we have, you know, a, a pretty underwhelming – outlook in, uh-huh. in Tennessee immediately following the draft. There's a lot of offseason yes. left, but there's not a lot of talent left out there. I will, uh, before bouncing off here, I'll leave you guys with one question, okay? 
now that I, Will Levis is on my team, I, I, it is what it is. Okay. Do the, the question I have for you guys is: Do I have to eat bananas with the banana peels on, and do I have to put mayo in my coffee? No. I say yes to the to the peels. Yes to the peels. Um, no, the mayo mayo coffee may have been a spoof. I'd, I'd start eating the peels though. They look like they look like they work. Hey, I'm like, I haven't even done anything yet. Not until he does something for your team. If he does, I have to wait till he does something. Then I have to go yeah. to the sun and bring a banana yep. with me and eat it in the stands. Yeah. And put it on our if website. He does, but if he's a star, you'll see that all over like the crowds in the stadium at home. Oh my! Oh, hundred percent. You're gonna he see. Hasn't done anything, so. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're gonna see you're gonna see fans yeah. in the stands eating full bananas, and it's gonna sure. be the most disgusting thing ever. <laughs> no, you won't, because he's not gonna do anything. But yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think he's gonna do anything either. We may end up drafting a quarterback for the fourth straight year next year. <laughs> well, just get just get one or two banana peels under your belt before the season hits, and yeah. if the lines up start, and you'll be the first one to it. Get a test run out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> I just popped into James to say, oh, try go. that mayonnaise at home all right if you're gonna put mayonnaise in your coffee try it at home first <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna send you the video kev to post for us so appreciate you guys having me on yeah sad, sad titans fan here boys appreciate you james <laughs> appreciate have you going, brother. i'll see you guys all right we will tag james out for kev our resident colts fan and we'll jump back to a little bit of ar-15 We'll have Kev give us the skinny, how the fan base is feeling. Um, Kev, let us just know what the initial vibes are in Indy around AR-15. Um, what do you feel like separated him uh, from Levis there and and the reason they felt comfortable sticking at four? And it, it seems like they got their guy. Uh, let us know in the comments as well what you think of Levis, how you feel about AR-15 to the Colts. We'll be talking – the rest of the draft shortly here but kev let us know the skinny yeah absolutely and sorry i broke protocol but i with when i heard that james was tagging out i just knew that i had to jump in and get a little will levis commentary in there because there you go uh, as i mentioned on twitter some some of us colts fans have felt a certain way we've been getting dogged about your future quarterback is Will Levis, and it had come from a certain division rival throughout the last couple of months. So it did feel kind of fitting, you know, uh, my, my, how the turntables situation here with mm -hmm. uh, now that they got their guy. So now I will say to take it back to AR-15, take it back to the guy that we did get, with the exception of a few, and those few have been very loud about their uh, unhappiness with the decision. I have seen, honestly, um, an outpouring of support that I didn't quite expect from the Colts fans. This went from a week or two ago, we were all in agreement that this was a project, no matter what, whether you went Levis or Richardson, a lot of people were saying it's all upside, it's all potential cut to yesterday and he's a week one starter um and i can understand in theory maybe playing the long game to just go ahead and get him as many reps as possible but you know genuinely it feels like people have really bought into the hype at least colts fans have they are really bought into what shane steichen could do for this guy i'm more of a an opinion that i think we're not going to know much until next until year two for him i think year one mm -hmm. is going to be a lot of 
what what did you see there man like what what did you think you saw what were you doing why did you do it that way um i also happen to have uh i'm a colts fan who can remember peyton manning's rookie year in those 24 interceptions or something like that it was a record uh <laughs> yes it wasn't good no it was a lot <laughs> So I don't know. I hope Colts fans are can have some reasonable expectations for Richardson this first year. But I would say, I mean, the water's warm in Indianapolis right now. People are very happy about this future. And it may be more so about all the other picks that Chris Ballard made. Um, that may be a reason why some folks are, are pretty high on this. But a lot of folks are excited about AR. I am uh, cautiously pessimistic, as I always am. And see, Herbert would know. Just Herbert would know. <laughs> this guy knows. Um, so, yeah, I, we, we talked about right before you hopped in, uh, Nick and I, how great of a fit um, we feel like, especially juxtaposed to where the other top quarterbacks landed. Um, I mean, you think about the bones of this roster. A lot of people predicted them to win the division last year. Um, injuries got a little crazy. Matt Ryan fell off a cliff. Um, some things you couldn't possibly predict but uh the the year prior even they were a week 18 game uh, a very sad week 18 game away from cracking the playoffs um and, and a lot of that roster is still intact um the the high-end talent has been good for a few years the the core has been good for a few years but it's been a fragile group uh because the depth hasn't really been there and Something that's something that I think they addressed masterfully with the rest of this draft. We're going to talk about some of our favorite draft classes uh, for the the final segment of the show, but this is one of mine. Um, I mean, it's up there. I loved Pittsburgh. I loved Philly, but especially some of these late round selections, I was huge on um, Nick. Anyone in particular that jumps out at you uh, in this draft hall for for Indy? There's a, in my opinion, there's a few steals. We got you muted. Yeah, our boy, Northwestern's AA. Come on, let's go. Yeah, come on, let's round four. Yeah, shocked when they got him. I like was like I was I was actually just devastated. So yeah, yeah, that was a tough. I mean, not a super refined player, um, no. but just another guy on that unit. I mean, it's a it's a gap gap penetrating Gus Bradley scheme. Um, he's going to be able to play inside and out. I, I think that's such a nice fit. Um, I could still see Unique Ngakwe coming back, potentially. He's still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he doesn't tend to venture too far from Gus Bradley, but um, I like that fit a lot uh, for them. Obviously a freak athlete. Um and, you know, you put him alongside a Grover Stewart, a DeForest Buckner, um, all of a sudden you, you you have a lot of tools on that on that defensive front. I like Diodi Ingbo. Um, I like, uh, oh, the kid from, uh, I can't remember his name, but I, I, like, a, I like a few pieces on that uh, defensive line already. I think this is another addition to it. Julius Brents feels like, and, and Darius Rush for that matter, both feel like very, very Colts corners going to be great with, with Gus Bradley. Um, 
you know, doesn't run the cover three as religiously as he used to, um, but uh, but still has a ton of it. And and specifically, Brent's I think is going to be an awesome deep third boundary corner um, with the physical tools he brings to the to the table. Blake Freeland, another athletic freak, high, highest vertical of uh, of any offensive lineman to test. I think it might have been an offensive lineman record uh, at the combine. Uh, awesome, awesome athlete. I you got to wonder if they try him right away at left, um, but out in space he's excellent. Um, Josh Downs had hey. some early second round hype, late first round hype. I grabbed him in our dynasty league, Kev. So watch <laughs> out for that. Um, and I even like uh, I even like Jalen Jones late. Um, I, I think he could I think he could crack the roster. It's not a not a ton of. Uh, bodies in that cornerback room right now and um i could i could really see all three of these guys cracking the roster and and sniffing some playing time um i agree any yeah. other, other standouts for you on there kev I, I i overall i think this was a comfortable b plus a minus type of draft yeah i felt i felt great i think for me uh what was it what i think it might have been was it was the brent's pick is the one not necessarily just because i love that value at 13 but because ballard traded back twice to do that uh so he moved back nine spots added two more picks to this so i think it was a uh maybe it was a fifth and a seventh i think so you know two of those picks right there were and so you 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 jump back nine spots you still get your guy that fits your system so those little moves right there but for me it's yeah it's everything really that that three through five range that was a sweet spot and i really thought that the colts did a great job josh downs very excited about Mm -hmm. yeah aa they were he was showing up as best available for certain guys in the second round for certain teams that I was seeing oh, yeah. him pop up on these as this could be a good fit here. This could be a good fit here. So I think there's some big talent there. The one uh, one place where I'm going to have to look at some more tape. I don't know what you guys can tell me about Will Mallory out of Miami, but that's been a bit of an enigma position for the Colts. Of course, we have Jelani Woods, who I'm hoping to really uh, step up, but. They have bodies there, but they haven't quite found it out. So I'll be interested to see what Mallory brings. Yeah, I I haven't watched him personally. Um, what I've heard, he was like a 10 to 15 tight end in this class. Obviously a huge tight end class. A um, lot, of, lot of tight ends went in day two. Um, He's also a huge guy. Jesus Christ. Giant, giant guy, yeah. He's 6'5", um, 245. <laughs> yeah, big kid. Um, perfect to pair up with with Jelani. Well, yeah, now, now they got some size. because Then they have Granson's an undersized tight end. and Granson uh, and 4'5", uh, four, 4", this kid ran at the 40, fastest of any tight end. Um, wow. Team stretcher. So, yeah. Josh that's what, Young is a tight end. That's what we've got on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm loving that draft. Um, that's probably in my top five. I was kind of combing through a lot of these in in preparation for the show. Um, while I've got you, Kev, uh, let's talk a little bit of Chargers here, quick, as we sort of transition. Because oh, yeah. um, we've got a couple comments here. Um, Max Dugan, Duggan, um, to back up Herbert. 
you know, that he's a gamer. Yep. He's a gamer. Um, obviously not going to push him for uh, any snaps necessarily, but if, God forbid, Justin Herbert were to go down, I think that's, you know, a, an interesting pickup, especially a, a flyer in the seventh. Um, and he also mentions in the comments here that he likes uh, Tuli Tuapoloto. He likes mm-hmm. Dion Henley. Um, we talked about Henley on this program last week. We all are big Henley guys. I think he'll be an awesome fit in Staley's defense in particular. Um, the amount of space that those linebackers need to cover in a, in a defense like that. He's that guy, you know, he's a seam eraser. He's a dig eraser. Uh, the, the way he's able to sink and turn his hips with, uh, with routes over the middle is drew Fred Warner comp, comps. Um, you know, I don't know if the ceiling's that high, but he's of that ilk, you know, um, and a guy to sit behind for a guy like Diane Henley, Eric Kendricks, there's not a better locker room guy in the uh in the league in my opinion um upgrade from tranquil yeah they didn't pick up kenneth murray's fifth year option um you know so there's wide open opportunity for uh for henley to get some snaps early and you know even if he's not getting first team snaps i think you look at the depth now at that position for 2023 at least with those four guys um i think you're feeling pretty good about that situation at the second level um, over in LA and, and, and Thule is a really interesting pass rusher, you know, played some D tackle at USC before dropping about 25 pounds and then played at 266, played a little more true edge um, this past season. He's going to be able to move all over the place. Might be a three, four D end in, in base. Um, obviously Bosa and Mac are still there. Um but but he could be a, a really nice chess piece for Staley as well. This was a good draft. Um, the Quentin Johnston, so they go, they double up on the TCU wide receivers. Um, I missed that, yeah. Which is interesting. <laughs> and then they go get Max Duggan, you know, just in case. They've got uh, they've got some chemistry on the, on the second team. Yeah, they are uh, prepping to have a strong practice squad. They're like, listen, you guys are going to be on the same page, Addy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that that you know that's a a fun thing there, I guess. Scott Matlock is an excellent run defender as well. Um, real gap eater. He'll play early downs. I think he makes the team. Um, that's another another need they had, frankly. So, um, yeah, Matlock from Boise State. So. That's a pretty good draft as well. Um, Kev, feel free to stick with us if you'd like, but I think we're going to transition here to some of our favorite draft classes. Um, And part of that transition we're going to use is Herker to Detroit, um, which caught me a little off guard. But I think when you look at this class collectively – and if you squint and you don't look at the the pick with which they selected these particular prospects, this looks like a really good draft. Um, you know, like if you move, 
if you just kind of shift everybody around, you move like Jameer Gibbs to 2-3, Laporta to 2-14, and branch up to 12, all of a sudden you're like, oh, they knocked that out of the park. But then you see you see the running back at 12, and you're like, Jesus, what are they doing? I mean, we watching day one, we were all sitting there. What the hell is Detroit doing? Um, but, you know, not not navigating this board according to consensus a, by any stretch. And I think they could have gotten their guys at different spots. But retrospectively, that was thinking they're passing up on guys like Brian Branch, um, who they still get at 45 overall. And all of a sudden, this is like the best collection of strong safety, nickel def- nickel slot defender uh, pieces in the secondary in the league. Um, CJ Gardner, Johnson, uh, Brian branch, of course, Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley played plenty of slot. Like they have so many options there and so much versatility in the defensive backfield. I love that. I mean, I was obviously huge on huge on Brian branch, uh, leading up to the draft, but, um, I, I love that fit, but Hendon hooker in the third just seems to seems to be a step kind of outside of their plan they were executing, which was maximized this year with Jared Goff. You you spend a third round pick on a guy, which sure um, might have more upside than the next tier of quarterbacks uh, might have fallen uh, in, in their eyes, might have fallen further than they thought he would. And all of a sudden they're sitting there and they're like, oh, we think this guy's a a bona fide second round player. We got to take him based on our board. And I don't know if I agree with that. You can still get a very, very helpful 2023 asset with three, five. Um, I mean, there were a lot of, a lot of great players on the board. There's a dearth of available talent suddenly at at wide receiver with the 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 gambling incident um move on from Quintez Cephas Jameis Williams is going to miss the first games of this first six games of this season as well I love Antoine Green out of North Carolina he was pretty well overshadowed by Josh Downs but he's got some great tape as well uh so I think that's a steal in the seventh but I don't know you know Laporta's good. He he looks like Jeremy Shockey after the catch. He's an absolute maniac. He does. Um, and and Jack Campbell's sweet, but I don't know. It, it it just felt like up to this point they were just executing this off season and the off season prior. They were trending in the in the right direction. They were doing everything right, and then the hooker pick was kind of just like okay. Um. Nick, what were your what were your initial thoughts on Hooker going to Detroit? I think there were a lot of other teams that you felt like might pull the trigger on him um, at that spot, and and Detroit was a curveball for me. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. Either. I just I, you know he's a good player, um, and yeah. it's unfortunate to see what happened at the end of his season. Um, and he's he was you know he was so good, but it doesn't fit as you said. It doesn't fit into what Detroit is doing. Like I. It just was really um, perplexing to me when I, I saw that. I was like, "Wow!" Because I, I really thought that a team like the Pats or the Bucks would have taken him. 
just yeah. because those, those teams are got you know they, they need somebody to you know kind of jolt their offense. Baker and Jerry, uh, Baker and Mac are not doing it, and I think the fans of those teams know that Baker and Mac, Mac are not doing it. Um, so I was surprised that he didn't go to one of those teams, and then he goes to Detroit, where they've built this thing with Jared Goff a little bit, um, and then they give him extension, and Dan Campbell is always you know backing him 100%, saying he's my quarterback. He's really you know, as we know, Jared Goff's more of a system quarterback than anything else, but this is a good system in Detroit all of a sudden. You know, they really yeah. started to build it. In L.A., it was great with McVay. It was not great when they traded Stafford for him, and now mm-hmm. it is. So it's like, why don't you try to trust Jared and just see if they can – this is finally the year that Detroit should be, be in the playoffs. You know, this is finally it. Um, and then they draft a quarterback, and it's kind of like, I don't know. It's just – and he's such a different style of a quarterback than than Jared. So it, 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 if Jared goes down with an injury, you have to kind of – change the entire uh, complexion of your offense to, to match this quarterback rookie. It's just, I don't know. I, I also wasn't a big fan of the Jack Campbell selection. Cause I saw him more of a second round pick. He's a great player. I just saw him more as a second round pick. So I'm pretty um, sure the next, I think the next off ball linebacker didn't go until like 30 picks later. Yeah. So or something like that, you know, it was interesting for sure. Um, because I, you know, you see, you see a mocked in like, like top five of the second round. And then you see him at, I mean, it's not 29th, you know, this is 18. This is, that's, that's pretty high. And uh, mm-hmm. so I didn't, I wasn't in love with that. Obviously not in love with the Gibbs pick because it's just like, there's just really out of pocket. Laporta was a slam dunk. I think that he's really going to help him, but um, after mm-hmm. losing TJ uh, Hawkinson as well. So that was a good pick, but, um, and branch was really nice. That's a nice, he'll have that, you know, Xavier, Xavier McKinney from Bama. Like they both, I think they're kind of similar players. Mm-hmm. But Hooker, it was just a weird pick. And I feel like if you're building a culture, you want to – there's a reason that Baltimore always has, um, you know, Tyler Huntley behind Lamar because they're so similar the way they play. So it's like if you lose Lamar, you're not losing much, you know, in the in the, in the the style of play. But if you go from golf to Hooker, teams are going to be like, whoa, like, I don't know. It, it's weird. But, I, you know, it's interesting. It's weird, and it's not even golf insurance for this year. Yeah because of the injury he's coming off of. So it it really does nothing for your 2023. Yeah. And you had a good free agency, but again, I think you could have max there's meat on the bone here for sure. Um if you're if you're Detroit. So yeah, that was nuts for me. Um any thoughts on Hooker at all, Kev, before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement. I'm just going to echo a lot of the same things that you said. I think in particular if Hooker had fallen, you know, that could have been like, oh, he's still sitting here in the fifth round or something like that. Okay, maybe we'll take a flyer on him. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't fit. I mean, this that whole draft was just a roller coaster because you're like, what the hell are they doing? And then a second, what the hell are they doing with Campbell? And then, as you both pointed out, they hit it out of the park in with both second round picks right and then uh mm-hmm. so then it's kind of like oh okay wow well you got laporta and branch all right well we're back to level this is starting to feel like a great a great draft mm-hmm. again or at least a good one and then boom you get hooker and i'm just gonna reiterate you know nick you you both hit it on the head you would like to have a backup that is either uh going to be able to spell your quarterback for a short period of time or at the very least who you don't have to tailor a completely new version of the playbook for like if their skill sets aren't aligned whatsoever. Uh, and then as you added, John, that there's on top of that, that there isn't really any potential insurance. We don't know exactly when hookers going to 
be available. So I don't know. I, I, Again, if he had fallen a few more rounds, it could have been something. I see the potential here. We'll stash this pick. I'm a big NBA guy, so I root for teams that draft guys who are in Spain who can't even come to America for a year or two. So, like, I can understand some of these types of picks, but not in this situation. I, I in yeah. this round, that's that's my thought. Yeah, in my opinion too. You know, plenty of other flyers you could have taken later in the draft while maximizing it. A third round pick um for this upcoming season when it feels like a win now window for Detroit uh last little thing on them it came out that they would have taken Gibbs at six over Bijan and feel like they got great value that was that was their RB1 was Gibbs either way um interesting interesting Interesting. (laughs) you know what do they know that nobody else knows We'll see. Bijan looks like a star in the league before he was in drafted. Um, right. And what I what I mean by that is they were talking to him before the before the draft, and he was like, he's so like um, charismatic, and it was like this guy looks like he's been in the league for four years. He's been an All Pro twice, and it was like he hasn't mm-hmm. been drafted yet. And it's just he's so good. I, I just feel like he's gonna be a star. Yeah, he's the shit. Um, I wonder. I wonder what they. I wonder what those particular hairs they were splitting look like when they had Gibbs over Bijan. Uh, that's that's certainly interesting. Yes. So I'll kick this one off, and then Nick will go over to your favorite class. Um, mine's Pittsburgh. Um, I loved this draft, top to bottom. Um not as many picks as a lot of other teams, but you know, we talk about building the picket fence. You get Broderick Jones at, at pick 14. I think that's an awesome pick probably to play opposite Dan Moore, um, who was serviceable. Um, they, they address the interior offensive line in free agency some, and then you get Joey Porter jr. In the second round, um, and I thought that was awesome value there. You've got to love the, the just the pick itself when you when you talk about uh, Joey Porter Senior yeah. being a Steeler. Royalty, right? Pittsburgh um, royalty. Pittsburgh royalty, man. Um, yeah. And I also like. I mean, they're gonna play, and this will get me into Corey Trice as well. They're gonna play a lot of press man. Um, they're going to want their corners in your face. Um, they're going to love the 34 inch arms on Joey Porter jr. They're going to love the frame on Corey Trice. If you don't know about Corey Trice out of Purdue, another big bodied guy, uh, who could have went a lot higher. There may be a medical red flag, uh, that, that we aren't privy to, um, that, that led him to fall all the way to the seventh. It's always a little suspect. It's it's always a little suspect, um, but they took a chance on him there. And if you know, if he's all good, if it's something that they're either able to address with the training staff or it's something that'll subside, I think that's an awesome fit. If if he pans out to any degree, and then you look at Keanu Benton, who. Uh, has drawn Cam Hayward comparisons from from some analysts I've I've heard. I watched 
inadvertently I watched a ton of uh, Keanu Benton film when I looked at some of these uh, some of these Big Ten interior offensive linemen, and he was an absolute problem on a lot of reps. Um, versatile guy, probably projects as an NFL three technique. Um, good penetrator, pretty solid pass rusher. Does is serviceable in the run game as well. Stout. Um, I think that's a great fit along their front. They're going to keep the front seven strong. And then Darnell Washington, who there might be another red flag around, medical red flag around, or something falling all the way to the back end of the third. Um, and I and I like Nick Herbig as a as a rotational pass rusher as well. Like I think with the assets they had, the Steelers navigated this board really well, um, filled a lot of needs. And I think, you know, suddenly this roster is pretty well-rounded. After the offseason they had, it was a really quiet free agency, but they made some smart moves. Um, And this draft addressed some needs and got some players in the building that I think will make a day-one impact, potentially five or six guys who who might see some first-team snaps come September. Um, Nick, who was your favorite draft class, uh, favorite hall here in 2023? So there's two teams that come to my mind, but I'm going to pick neither one because I don't want to be boring and say Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, I don't want to be biased and say Buffalo because yeah, we got the bet. We just got Travis Kelsey and we also got my favorite player of all time, Osiris Torrance which was probably the coolest moment in my sports career or in life. Yeah, that was sick. That was a sick call. Nick after, predicted after that. preaching Osiris for the last, I don't even know how long, making a shining reference, which came out of left field. Um, yeah. I was very <laughs> excited. I was very excited for the for the Bills to draft him um, mm-hmm. in the second round, which is just um, absurd. Um, as you said with um, other guys, you know, falling, maybe it's a little suspect that he went so low. But I'm not going to go with the Bills because I can talk about the Bills forever. I'm with the Seattle Seahawks. I thought the Seahawks did a really, really good job. Um, they kind of catapulted themselves into one of those top five NFC teams, and all of a sudden they're back. You know, Yes, they made the playoffs last year, but you never really thought that they had a chance to beat San Fran. But now all of a sudden you have an awesome draft class, and they're back. They're back to being a top five NFC team. And it's just been incredible because Pete Carroll – uh, he just has that. He has that organization, man. He, he doesn't. He doesn't let up. It's like Mike Tomlin. It's like Bill Belichick. Except Belichick hasn't been doing too much. But those two, they really just keep their teams where they need to be, even without you know the quarterbacks they've had for years and years. Um, it's really impressive. Seattle had an awesome draft, so I'm gonna go with Seattle. But yeah, Buffalo and Philly also had amazing drafts. Yep, I'm with you there. I want to shout out the Rams draft. Um, yeah. F them picks nation actually picked a shit ton of times. Um, yeah. Here they are oh here. Uh, Puka Nakua is likely to fill BYU runs of McVeigh-ish offense um, from, from everything I've heard. And he projects as kind of like a Robert Woods role. Um, Stetson's interesting. Nick Hampton out of Appalachian state is an absolute athletic freak. Love Tomlinson um, in the sixth round there too, right? Love right. Tomlinson in the sixth. Um, Hampton deadlifts like 600 pounds. He's just a nut job. Um, 
Kobe Turner's cool. Byron Young's cool. That was a pretty good haul. Um, we're also going to shout out the Bears. <laughs> Our boy Nate's Bears, who are getting there. Who are getting there. Um, Tyreek Stevenson, I think, was an absolute steal. Um, he might be – he might turn out to be one of the – two or three best corners in this class, frankly. He was so good in man coverage. Um, I think he's going to fit very well alongside Jalen Johnson. Um, and they have four, and if you count Terrell Smith as well, out of Minnesota, Skyima, um, all of a sudden they've got four pretty passable cornerbacks who are under the age of 24 and and ready to grow with this unit. Um, Nate sent us over some thoughts. He's not able to join us live tonight. Um, but I've got a couple of reviews from him on, on some of the picks he liked more than others. Um, Darnell Wright, he was a huge fan of, oh, here he is. Darnell Wright, Nate was a huge fan of, um, uh, you know, didn't think he would be available later. Uh, it'll help Justin Fields progress. He was big on Tyler Scott out of Cincy, um, who he sees a little bit of T.Y. Hilton in. Um, you know, so if he sniffs that type of ceiling, I think that's an awesome uh, receiver to add to that group. More weapons is always better, he says. I love Roshan Johnson out of Texas. Um, overshadowed by Bijan, but Roshan Johnson is serious. Um, I, I think it'll be an excellent addition to that backfield to go with Khalil Herbert. Um, yeah, I can too. You know, that's a great fit. He likes Javon Dexter. Uh, think he'll fit, thinks he'll fit at the three tech. They needed a ton of help on the defensive line. Um, and the one thing about Dexter is that he's slow off the line. Um, doesn't have a lot of burst, but what I've heard is that is actually how he was coached to play. Um, at Florida for whatever reason they wanted, they didn't want him exploding off the line and penetrating. Uh, they wanted him two gapping, locking, peaking, shedding as, as much as he could. So at the NFL level, I don't think his get off is going to be a concern, especially if that's not what you're coaching him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a weird thing they were doing at Florida. Uh, Zach Pickens can't stop the run to save his life, but he could apply a little bit of pressure. Um, might be a little high for him. But overall, I think this was another step in the right direction for the Bears. I think since Poles took over, um, we, we I mean, we reprimand teams for half-assing their rebuilds a lot. They full-assed it, you know, all the way. Got rid of Roquan, got rid of Khalil Mack. Uh, excuse me, got rid of Bilal Nichols, uh, Eddie Jackson, your clock is ticking. Um, and all of a sudden it's, it's a brand new, uh, it, it's really going to be created in, in Poles's vision. Um, and, he, and he really has full ownership or this is another draft class that I think will help move things in that direction. Um, going OT at the top is certainly the way to go. Um, they added weapons through trade over the last calendar year with Claypool and DJ Moore. Um, if Darnell Mooney's healthy. That's an awesome trio. Cole Komet uh, and, and Bob Tunyon, like 
all of a sudden, that's a pretty good offense. The, the tackle duo, Darnell Wright's a, a right tackle, so you can leave Braxton Jones at left. Um, the tackle duo looks good. Sounds like Whitehair is going to be the center. Um, so, you know, so we'll see how we they navigate the rest of the interior offensive line. Tevin Jenkins probably staying at right guard. Um, things are looking up there. I don't think they'll push the Lions or the Vikings, and I think the Packers will still have the get the better of them this year. Um, but you know, all of a sudden, I think that's an interesting team. Um, it's it's a good draft. The Packers draft was good as well. Um, I think that's what kind of kept them, you know, a little bit above the Bears, at least uh, projecting out. Um, but, Nick, before we hop off, let's talk about our teams just a little bit. Yep. Tell me what else you liked about this Bills draft um, and, and how it makes you feel coming into – uh, this upcoming season here, not a ton of picks. We got six guys, um, but I, I think at the at the very least, the the first three picks I think were awesome. Mm. Um, yeah. So Dalton Kincaid, it was very, um, you know, we talked about him in the mocks, and I was like, I don't think because we were talking about Kincaid and we were talking about Michael Mayer, right? And and those guys, I was they were kind of going over my head when we were talking about them, just because I didn't think that the Bulls would ever look at either one. So I was like, hey, if it goes to like a Bears or it goes to like a Vikings, cool, like a Lions, cool. But I wasn't really thinking about it for the Bills. And then when Commissioner Roger Goodell said that, I was like, whoa, I wanted Torrance, and I was like, but then. But then I looked at it. I was like, listen, man, this guy, he's got a little Travis Kelsey in him. He's got a little, you know, what we've been missing over the middle field. Um, you know, obviously the receivers are been they've been good, not great. Um, and Knox is just, he's, a, he's more, he, even at Ole Miss, he was more a run blocker and a pass blocker. Then a, so when he comes to Buffalo, we're like, Dawson, we don't really have any tight ends. So if you can be that guy, he's like, okay, I'll try. It's, it, he doesn't catch the ball very well. He really worked on it a lot. I'm proud of him for doing that. And, you know, so is everybody else. But Kincaid's somebody who's a weapon on offense. He, he, it was something that we needed. You know, every one of these teams, Chiefs, uh, Bengals, you know, Ravens, they, I mean, it feels like they all have a tight end, right? They have somebody that Joe or Patrick or Lamar can go to. If it be, you know, Mark Andrews or Hayden Hurst or Travis Kelsey. So it's it's cool to see Kincaid being drafted um, for sure. It, it'll be fun to watch him progress. And then I really liked Dorian Williams. You know, Dorian Williams is somebody that, yes, you know, maybe he's not from the biggest school, but he is a, somebody that can come in and, and help, you know, the middle of the field. We lost Tremaine Edmonds to um, – we lost him to Chicago. And at the time, it was like, you know what, Tremaine's been kind of up and down. He's been more up than down. But now we have Vaughn and we have Matt Milano. We, who's the middle? Like, who's def- Like, who's defending the middle? Dorian Williams is not a middle linebacker, but but he's but he can definitely like grow into that role. And um, I'm really excited to see Dorian play. Um, Justin Shorter, don't get fooled by the name; he's actually like six four. So, yeah, uh, I'm pretty excited to see Justin Shorter as well. There's there's yeah. pictures of him that he looks like DK Metcalf in that one picture uh, before yeah. he got drafted. I, I'm very impressed. I mean, he's a big guy. Um, when we drafted Gabe Davis, he was also a bigger guy. So I thought it would just be like a go up and get a guy. Gabe, you know, transitioned into more of a, you know, wide receiver too. So mm. Justin Shorter, I'm excited to see what he can do. He's faster than you'd think at 6'4". And, of course, he can go go up and get balls. You know, Josh Allen just has to throw it up. Shorter should should be able to bring him down. So I'm really happy with this draft. Alex Austin, Nick Broker, just 
kind of guys that were drafted at the end. Broker should, you know, help that, uh, you know, the, the tackle room a little bit. I mean, the, uh, the guard room a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Probably be more of a practice guy, squad guy this season. And then Alex Austin, he's, he's, he's a dude. He's, he's a body, you know. He, these guys that just – they'll give Kyrie Elam some some time to, you know, progress. And, you know, if they if they can challenge him, that's that's great. Yeah, with your injury luck, Alex Austin might see a little bit of the field here this year. Yeah, maybe playing in the playoffs. At quarterback, yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll see how Will Mallory pans out with his 4-5-4 speed. But for my money, Dalton Kincaid is the best vertical threat at tight yeah. end um, in the draft here. So, you know, the only other team we'll have to get to is defending NFC North champion Minnesota Vikings. If your school is not a three-letter acronym, you are not on our board. Um, <laughs> we it was a it was an interesting draft. It went USC, USC, LSU, LSU. Um, so you know we might have had an area scout that that was that was at those games frequently or something like that. Um, but this is an interesting draft. Um, I I lost my marbles a little bit over the uh, Addison pick, mostly for the fact that with Deontay Banks, Joey Porter, Brian Branch all on the board, who I thought could make an immediate impact day one at a more pressing uh, position of need, mm-hmm. that was my gripe with it. Um, I've come around on it. It's the reality I'm living in. Uh, that we took Jordan Addison. So now I'm just, now I'm there. All right. Best wide receiver duo in the league. Book it. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've, I've come back around. I, I still, I still wanted more picks on day two and, or a defensive back right away. I wanted Flores to go get his guy. Um, I would have felt more, more at ease with that. Um, I haven't gotten to the LSU guys yet on tape, but I've watched a ton of Makai Blackman. I've watched three games of his now. Um, and I see it. Um, none of these guys had a real high RAS score. Um, but with Makai Blackman, like he is not going to get beat deep. Uh, he does an excellent job putting a roof on vertical routes. Um, he's a pretty heady player um on on tip passes or errant throws he's always in the right spot uh he's he has really good timing at the catch point um particularly in that us uh, ucla game i think i sent the clip to you guys as well um but he's he's playing a deep third to one side of the field and he's got two vertical routes coming his way uh the the free safety is is playing the opposite side of the field uh, where the passing strength was and the two verticals go, it's a go route right up the the sideline. And then there's a post um, that's coming from the number two receiver. And he's in no man's land. He's on an Island out there. Uh, DTR throws the ball to the inside guy on the post just because Blackman had baited him just enough staying over top of the number one receiver um, on that route, and he jumped it and knocked the ball away. It was a two-on-one with two receivers on a quarterback, and uh, and he made a play on it. 
Um, so his timing is, his timing is great. He triggers downfield um, when there's a throw to the flat or a screen or anything like that aggressively. Um, and, it, and he strikes me as a Flores guy. Um, not huge, 5'11", 190 or so. Um, but Jay Ward might be a little bit of a Brian Branch light. Um, he played all over the place at LSU, safety, nickel corner, outside corner, will linebacker, uh, you know, uh, blitz the B gap on, on some passing downs in some cases. Uh, it's not Jacqueline Roy, it's Jaqueline Roy. So, you know, the stock's going up on him. Uh, <laughs> with the, the key and peel sketch, of course. Uh, Jaron Hall's cool. Um, yeah. you know, he's kind of that flyer where it's like, like, this is what, that's the type of pick I would have preferred the lions to make. Yeah. Fifth round has some, has some wiggle to him. Um, he can, he can make the plays maybe a little bit limited, but gives you another option. Um, and you're not investing high capital there. And then Dwayne McBride, um, I actually did a, a video on top 10 draft fits for the Vikings offense. And I had him on that list. Um, so, so that's, that's one I'll, I'll take a little bit of credit for. <laughs> I was in on that one. That's my Osiris Torrance. Ride. Um, but he's awesome. Uh, somebody said Arian Foster and now I can't unsee it. Um, if you ever get a chance to watch Dwayne McBride, he, he's only five ten, but he runs really upright with really good contact balance. He doesn't waste steps um, or, or movement. And, and just the way, like just the way he bounces off tackles. Yeah. It looks like Arian Foster runs. Like there's a lot of runs where he's like met at the seven and, and carries a guy into the end zone. Um, he's just, he's, he finishes the hell out of runs. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, that's the best cop I can come up with. Maybe a little bit of like a Latavius Murray. Uh, but short, <laughs> he doesn't have that body type, but that's how he runs like so upright. He's got a great high step uh, to avoid ankle tackles. And um, I think he might bring a lot of value, you know, so I've come to grips with it. Um, I think there's, I think there was a lot of meat left on the bone with this particular class as well. Um, they hit the, the UDFAs hard. They got that Andre Carter kid out of army as a UDFA. He had some like second round buzz like a month ago before he shit the bed at the senior bowl. Um, but you know, we'll see where it takes us. Um, any parting thoughts, gentlemen, on this draft as a whole, any particular teams you feel like we glossed over, um, as, as we were going through this exercise. I'll give a shout out. I don't know. You guys got to talk about them before I was there and it's not necessarily the entire draft, but a shout out to, the Las Vegas Raiders, because my dear friend and uh, contributor at Bite Size Sports, although we don't see him very often, Sean B, is a Raiders fan, so I wanted to okay. make sure he gets repped here. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Michael Mayer, uh, for obvious reasons. I'm excited about that particular pick. Yeah, um, but, yeah, uh, any any thoughts there? Um, uh, you know, Aiden O'Connell is the big takeaway for me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't finish that one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was a huge <clears> – <throat> I was deeply into the uh, defensive backs in this class, um, and I did really like Ja'Korian Bennett. 
and I liked Christopher Smith out of uh, out of Georgia. I think those are really good value. Both of those to get those guys on day three were, uh, were both excellent picks um, for them. And then Tyree Wilson to play opposite Max Crosby. Um, th- this this defense I think will be taking a step forward. Um, it was it was kind of just Max Crosby and then some guys uh, for a lot of last year. Chandler Jones, I think, uh, to an extent anyway, took a step back. Um, they didn't have a lot of help on the back end. Rocky Seen that was there after the trade, he hasn't been picked back up yet. You know, so th- these are a lot of building blocks, I think, for, for the future of that defense. Um Definitely a good shout out. I think I mentioned the Rams. Uh, the only other one that I found pretty interesting was Dallas um, that I wanted to mention anyway. And we'll have to bring up, I don't know if you guys saw the Deuce Vaughn clip, but Deuce Vaughn's father yeah. is a scout for Dallas. Or maybe he's in player personnel one way or the other. He's a scout, but- yeah, so he got to call his son and and tell him he was getting drafted. And it was just it's the best video. If you haven't seen it, go find it. You know, it's a you can you can turn it off once Jerry Jones starts talking. Um but when uh because then you hear from Mike turns him off when he starts talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah so as you always just should. The clip, just the clip with his dad talking to him, you know, he's like uh he's choking up through it. He's like, Hey buddy. Would, do you want to come work with me? And it's just, it's just like one of the most heartwarming clips you'll the see. The only, the only beef I have with that is that the only beef I have with that is that like these networks <clears throat> were making it seem like we don't know who Deuce Vaughn is. Like <laughs> we know who Deuce Vaughn is. He's a beast. And people were yeah. like, "Oh, Deuce Vaughn's dad," or like it was like, "Yo, <laughs> we know who he is. <laughs> He's a really right. good running back." Like I don't know. That was the only thing I had. Uh, people were making it seem like we didn't even know who the hell the guy was. Yeah, and you can't you can't overblow the the nepotism too much. It's a sixth round pick. Let me just pick my yeah. son. Come yeah, on. you know. <laughs> yeah, at least um, it's not the first three rounds. You know. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I love I just love Mozzie Smith and and Demarvian Overshone. Um, I thought Mozzie was a really interesting pick because they run such light fronts in Dallas. I mean, it's also a Digazua at uh, at the defensive tackle. Uh, they'll run the odd front with Demarcus Lawrence up there and and uh Marcus Walker before he went to Chicago um so that's an like a true nose like they were sub 300 on on the whole defensive front for two years in a row um so you know interesting I'll be interested to see how Dan Quinn uses Mozzie Smith if he's just going to be a one or two down player 27 seems rich for a guy you're only going to play on rushing downs um so you know maybe he turns into a speed down guy, right? Yeah. So, so I like that one. Um, but that's all I got. We won't get too negative. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit next week on the shitty draft classes. Um, but we kept it. We kept it upbeat in here, and uh, and those will be a little bit tougher to discern as well because, you know, all we can really say is, oh, this guy was a reach or they didn't address this particular position um, outside of that, you know, what, what do we know so far? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, everybody. You can catch 
the rest of our programs the rest of the week. Do we have ADP tomorrow, Kev, or is it was it last week? I believe it is this week. Yeah, so ADP tomorrow, another damn fantasy podcast with Dan Portillo and Trevor Steinbacher. Uh, they do great work. If you're into any of the fantasy stuff, I'll have to fo- start following them more closely for our dynasty league. Kev, I'm a little bit out of that, out of that realm. Um, Ooh, oh yeah. Yeah. They'll be the but, guys that um, help you out. Yes, sir. And then I'm stoked for the bounce on Thursday with, uh, our boy Kev. And you just saw James talk about his Titans. Those two will be talking NBA playoffs on Thursday. And it's been such a sick playoffs so far. Um, really stoked to uh, to catch that episode. And uh, we may even be live on Playback TV for a game or two this week. We'll see how that goes. That's always a little bit, you know, when we can. But uh, those are always fun as well to just hang out with you guys, watch a little ball, and, uh, and, and chat you up in the comments. So, Stay tuned for all of that. And then, of course, you can catch us right back here next Tuesday, uh, 9, 8 Central, uh, on the next episode of Necessary Roughness. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week. How's it going, boys?